Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And also, don't forget to follow the Twitter page at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports for breaking news and updates and things of that nature. Now, in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL and what's going down there. We'll be touching on Jack's Pack, our NFL betting segment. Then we will shift to the NBA and what's going down there as they open their season. We will talk about college football and the impending playoff along with some basic college football news. And then we will have our best for last. Now I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Ah, welcome in everybody to the newest edition, another loaded episode of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. Now, for the first time, I can officially say the NBA is back. We've also got NFL going on, college football is getting ready, it's doing bowl season currently, and they've got their playoff, they're trying to get sorted out. Welcome into what I like to call the golden time in sports, where NFL and basketball and college football and college basketball are all rolling all at one time. But in this week's episode, we're going to start with the NFL. And we're going to first start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have a candidate for the biggest frauds of the year. If you didn't already notice, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, they played one of the easiest schedules in the league earlier. They were 11-0, but we kind of seen the signs. You know, they couldn't run the ball. Big Ben wasn't throwing the ball deep. It doesn't look like he can anymore. They're throwing everything, three-step hitches, two-step slants, one-step smoke routes. They're doing everything they can to get the ball out faster. It honestly looks like a Big 12 offense into where the old traditional air raid, where they're treating curl routes and hook routes and slants as run game. As, you know, a five-yard curl is basically a handoff up the middle for five yards. They're struggling to run the ball. Then the injury started to pile up. They lost Bud Dupree. Then they lost Bud Dupree's backup. Now people can focus in on TJ Watt. Cam Hayward's not getting the pressure he was getting early in the season. A secondary that's used to be able to jump routes because the D-line was getting there. And so, therefore, you could attack the ball. No longer can jump routes and attack the ball. They're using that trap corner scheme where the backside corner is jumping the any kind of out route or flat route, trying to get a pick six. Usually it works because the quarterback has to get the ball out faster in order to not get hit by T.J. Watt and the ruin the offense. However, with Watt by himself, people are doubling him. And so, therefore, that trap coverage is starting to get hit now. And Pittsburgh is not looking good on either side of the ball. Over the last three games, they're playing worse than New York Jets. Uh, Jets won a game. We'll talk about that a little later and what that meant for the draft. But the Jets won or last three. They're one and two, and that's going about 20 points a game, give or take. Over the last three, the Steelers are 0-3 and have not scored 17 points in any of the games. So when you have a situation like that where Pittsburgh is clearly struggling, I'm not sure how it gets fixed. I don't think it's fixable, in all honesty. Uh, they're not going to magically discover how to run the ball. Le'Veon Bell is not coming back, as far as I know. Um, they've got a dancing TikTok problem, according to them. I don't know how losing football games and TikTok are related. But according to them, they got a dancing TikTok problem with Juju Smith-Schuster, who, ever since Antonio Brown left, has not had a 100-yard receiving game. And a lot of people figured they let Antonio Brown go because of Mike Tomlin's famous phrase, I tolerate you until I can replace you. 
He thought he could replace Antonio Brown with Juju Smith. Schuster, it ain't working. Juju's on this year's average of six catches, 44 yards. That ain't great. I mean, to be honest, that's about Antonio Brown's numbers right now in Tampa, and he's playing alongside of all the weapons they have in Tampa. So the Steelers, you have to figure that out quickly, or you will be watching the division around the playoffs at home because you're going to lose your wild card game wherever seed you may fall. Speaking of divisions in the AFC, there is a new AFC East champion for the first time in 11 or 12 years as the Buffalo Bills, for the first time since 1995, win the AFC East. To put that in perspective, their starting quarterback was born in 1996. So, yeah, this has been quite a long time for Bills Mafia to win their first AFC title, East title rather, and they win after the Patriots lost to the Miami Dolphins. It officially clinched the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East. It is huge for the Bills. It's huge for their confidence in Josh Allen. Obviously, they're going to have to do a little organizational restructuring very soon as the expectation around the league is that Brian Dable will be NFL head coach sooner rather than later, maybe even this hiring cycle. But when you speak on that, it is going to be something that is definitely sought after in the AFC playoffs. Because if you look at the AFC standings, and just look at some of the teams right now in the AFC. Obviously, the Chargers have been eliminated. But what could a guy like Brian Dable do with Justin Herbert? The Broncos have been eliminated as well. But maybe he's the one answer to fix Drew Locke. Deshaun Watson and the Texans have been eliminated as well. Maybe he's the one to help Deshaun Watson take his game to the next level. So when you look at that, it is a very interesting situation in the AFC East. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills, obviously, for their first division title in 25 seasons. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. Now, speaking on another team, or should I say another team contending for a playoff spot and possibly a Super Bowl, it is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Look, they're like the biggest coin flip in the league. There's no correct beat on them. Because if you think, man, they're going to really come out and smoke this team today. They don't. Against the Vikings, if Dan Bailey could kick, the Vikings probably win that game. Against the Falcons, if the Falcons didn't falcon everything and didn't falcon it up, the Falcons win that game. They were up 17-0. They could have very easily been up 21-0. But they were up 17-0. And then come after halftime, Tom Brady goes nuts. The Falcons goes cold. And the Bucks escape. And all but secure their playoff spot. So when you look at two teams, in my opinion, on the opposite side of the coin, we just talked about the Bills. I think the Bills can win a Super Bowl. Look, I was as out on Josh Allen as you could be all of 18 months ago. I was like, he's a big, strong kid who can run. Great, spectacular. He's also completing 59% of his passes. I can't do anything with that in the modern NFL. In a precision league where 65% is damn near standard, and you got a starting quarterback completing 59%, and people are telling me his arm is his strength. I, I can't do that in the modern NFL if I was a head coach, offensive coordinator, or GM. Or as a prognosticator, uh, pick you to win a Super Bowl. But now Josh Allen has dramatically increased that completion percentage. He is, I mean, I don't know if you can declare a dark horse MVP candidate in week 16, but he's like, I think he's going to vote. And, you know, if it was like, 
one, two, three, four, five. He should be four. I mean, right behind him, you know, in this opinion, my opinion, Rodgers, Mahomes, Henry, and then Josh Allen in terms of MVP votes in the league. So definitely a big improvement for the Bills and Josh Allen. On the flip side, you've got the Bucks. Now, Tom Brady's playing better than all of us thought he would. Look, I, I, I don't know why... I don't know why anybody thought this was looking like, I don't know, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. The talent can do it, sure. Maybe next year they go for it. But this was not the year to do so. The first year in a new system. We saw Aaron Rodgers looked in his new system under Matt LaFleur. Now he's looking absolutely spectacular and could get 50 touchdowns and four interceptions, which is ridiculous. But, you know, the Bucks are playing well. Preseason, honestly. You probably had the Bucks at what 10, 11 wins. Probably had Tom Brady if you get if you guess us that line around 4,500 yards, 30 some odd touchdowns, and like 14, 15 picks. Because that's pretty much you said Jameis production, a little less yards, half the picks, you'll be fine. He's on pace for Jameis production, a little less yards, and half the picks. He's on pace about 43, 4,400 yards, 31, 32 touchdowns. And by 14, 15 interceptions. Eee, the Bucks are exactly what we thought they were. Now, I thought they could win a division. I thought they could be a 12-win team and win a division. However, they didn't split with New Orleans. Otherwise, that would still be on the table if they would have uh, split with New Orleans. So, the Bucks are exactly who we thought they were. They are doing it in a very unconventional way. In a way where it's like... You know, how are they doing this? Like I said, they go down 17-0 to the Falcons and then look amazing in the second half. They look bad against the Vikings all but three drives. They didn't score. They look horrible. And if Dan Bailey could kick, we could be looking at an entirely different ball game for the Vikings and the Bucks in general. But, hey, they escaped. So taking a look at the wild card and the playoffs just in general, this could be a very interesting playoffs because I'm looking at some teams. Obviously, Pittsburgh is collapsing. Right now, they're 11-3. It is on the table, a very good chance on the table that the Pittsburgh Steelers go from the three seed to the six seed in the next couple of weeks. The reason being is they are only one game ahead of the Cleveland Browns, who they play in week 17. The Steelers have the Colts this week, tough team. And the Browns have the Jets. So it is a very good scenario where the Steelers and the Browns are playing for winner take all on week, on week 17. Loser is the sixth seed because then the loser would have at least five losses. If the Colts go 12 and 4, which again, very possible, they will have the fifth seed and will play the Titans for the third time in the playoffs. Now moving, oh, also on the AFC, the Dolphins and the Ravens are both scrapping for the seven seed. So both of them are nine and five. Right now the Dolphins are in, they would own the tiebreaker. So if I'm Baltimore, I am humongous Dolphins, I'm humongous Raiders fans, sorry. The Raiders play the Dolphins. Also the Raiders trying to get in the playoffs themselves, but the Raiders play the Dolphins. The Ravens have the Giants. So there's a lot of playoff implications just on that side alone moving to the nfc right now the packers congratulations you have the one seed it's not mathematically locked up but you've got to you need a combination of a packers win or a saints loss and you guys are the number one seed in the conference the saints are 
presumably the two seed. They're no lower than three because of the NFC East, but they're presumably the two. They're the two at the moment right now over the Seahawks, and they have the Vikings. The Seahawks have the Rams, who share, and the Rams are nine and five. So, actually, right as of the second, the Saints, in order to secure the two seed, should be humongous Rams fans. If I was the Saints to try and secure the two seed to make sure you draw at this present time, the Arizona Cardinals, who are a game up on the Chicago Bears, and they have the 49ers this week. I believe if they win against the 49ers, they are in. Tampa Bay is all but in. The Rams are all but in. They're just fighting for seeding with the Seahawks. And the NFC East is still up for grabs. <coughs> I believe it's close. Washington is a game away because they're a game up on everyone right now. So if they win, they should be in and then the NFC will be set. So a lot of different moving parts in the NFC playoffs and the AFC playoffs as well. Speaking of the Jets, remember I thought I will talk about the Jets later. Oh my God, they won a game. The biggest question is why? Oh, the only thing it did is make you question Jared Goff just a little bit more. But why? Why win a game? The Jets have been losing perpetuity since Mark Sanchez took them to those AFC titles in a row. Like, they've just been losing. You take out that blip in history, and they've been losing since Joe Namath won Super Bowl three. You pretty much got great practice at losing. Why would you win? Because now you've handed Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Congrats. But... You raise an interesting scenario. Do you keep the pick if you're the Jets? I mean, I still like Sam Donald. I'm a big fan of Sam Donald. A lot of the guys in the NFL, from what people have been reporting, still have high grades on Sam Donald. And many of them are honestly dismissing this entire stretch with the Jets. Because if you follow Adam Gates' coaching career, we thought Ryan Tannehill was playing the wrong position. Now he's 31 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football. All because he left Adam Gates. So a lot of people are saying you're going to have to depend on your pre-draft analysis of Sam Darnold in order to gauge his trade value because if you use the Adam Gates years, he'd go for a six-round pick in a pocket of lint. So Sam Darnold may have saved his Jets career. Now on the Jets GM, I think about trading the pick. I already have a first. I already have two first-round picks, a couple of seconds and a third. I'll trade you the number two pick for two more first, a second, a third, and a starting corner, or a starting receiver, or a starting linebacker, or starting anything because the Jets are bad. Why not do it? Look, you're going to have a new coach in there. Maybe the new coach likes Sam. Maybe the new GM, or they don't have a new GM, rather. Maybe the new coach is a big fan of Sam Donald. We don't know how the GM feels about him. If the GM loves Sam Donald, he may be trying to move a coach into that position that is trying to help Sam Donald and not necessarily move him out of the way as soon as possible to pick his own guy. So that is definitely a situation to watch. If I'm the NFL, I am cursing the Rams name because now the biggest star to enter the NFL is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar and not a New York anything. It didn't matter, Jet or Giant. A New York anything would have been spectacular. Now it's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. So if I'm the NFL, I am furious because the marketing potential was enormous having Trevor Lawrence in New York, and now he's going to be in Jacksonville. I mean, not the worst place on the planet. You know, I can think of worst. But it's clearly not New York in terms of media potential, especially with the NFL headquarters being in New York City. And lastly, we're going to talk about the Chiefs just quickly. 
Um, there's a lot of media guys running around. Oh man, the Chiefs are not that great and they're struggling right now. And you know, to name a few, Kyle Hurd has got the Bills the number one team in the league. And you know, they're not. They haven't covered a point spread in six games. I mean, what are they doing? They're 22 and 23. They're 22 of 23. Everybody they've played in the last 23 games, they have beaten. Yes, they lost the game to the Raiders, and then they went into the Raiders and manhandled them the second time. The score was close. They were going back and forth, but the Chiefs clearly were the better team. Look, covering the spray doesn't matter to NFL players. It doesn't. They can't even bet on it legally, so covering the spray doesn't matter. They have won 22 of 23. Until somebody knocks them off, which may not happen until September of 2021, they are the best team in football. Plain and simple. Let's not make this hard. Let's not do this. They've got the best quarterback going right now. They've got the best offensive mind going right now. They've got an NFL head coach's offensive coordinator, Harry Bieniemy. They have a top 10 defense that has been very quietly a top 10 defense. They lost their good rookie running back in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And what do they pull off the bench? Hey, Le'Veon Bell, you go. They've got Tyreek Hill. They've got the best tight end in the game. Look, until these guys lose a playoff game, honestly lose a playoff game, or get destroyed in one of their last two regular season games, the Chiefs are the best team in football. Do I think they have dynasty potential? Define dynasty. I think dynasty, you got to give me three and five. So three and six years. So three, three Super Bowls in a short amount of time. Um... You know, up to seven years, I say you can give me three rings. We can call it dynasty, uh, depending on how the rings fall. So probably three and five years. Um, do I think these guys have dynasty potential? Maybe. Uh, we got to see how they negotiate around Patrick Mahomes' contract. It's going to kick in in a couple of seasons. So they have a little wiggle room right now in terms of money. But we'll definitely have to watch that situation. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL preview, uh, starting off with Christmas Day. Alrighty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to give a preview into this week's loaded NFL schedule. So first, we're going to start off with Christmas Day, Vikings and Saints. Like I spoke about earlier, this is one of those big games in the NFC playoffs. The Vikings are basically out of it. They have no real path to getting in. Technically, they're still alive. They would need a lot of help. They would need Arizona to go winless the rest of the way. They would have to win two in a row in the Vikings, and the Bears would have to lose two as well. But it's possible, so they said they could not eliminate it. So the Vikings are still playing for something. This would be guys like Justin Jefferson's first game in the Superdome since the national championship game, just like it was for Clyde Edwards-Elair last week for the Chiefs. And for the Saints, you have to show signs of life here because Drew Brees did not look great. That was his worst game in a Saints uniform, bar none. May have been the worst game in his career. First time he ever started off his career 0-5. I think at one point he got up to 0 for 6 in his first six attempts. It just wasn't great. And hey, they still only lost to the Chiefs by three. And you can make a legitimate case they should have won because Alex Anzalone directly cost the team four points when he did not successfully fall on the football in the end zone from the fumbled punt return. And so the, the Saints can sit down and say, we are a ball squirting out from under a player away from beating the Chiefs having one of the worst offensive games of Drew Brees' career, that's definitely something we can build on. So that's a game to definitely watch there. I will not pick the game right now because it is in Jack's pack, 
However, it is a crucial game for the Saints to win. We all know the Saints troubles with the Minnesota Vikings in recent years. You know, we had the Minnesota Miracle. We had uh, Cousins to Rudolph in the end zone. We had other situations between the Vikings and the Saints to the point where Saints fans don't necessarily want to see the Vikings in the playoffs. And so they can put a nail in the Vikings coffin for the season by beating them on Christmas Day. Another huge game for the NFC playoffs, which ties into the previous game, is the 49ers and the Cardinals. Spoke about it a little earlier. Uh, the Cardinals are coming off a very exciting contest against the Philadelphia Eagles, where both Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts crossed 400 total yards of offense. Both of them had three or four touchdowns. It was an absolute dandy of a show. Uh, both showed that, hey, those Oklahoma guys know how to produce quarterbacks because they're one of three or two of three in the league, along with Baker Mayfield under from under the Lincoln Riley tree. But back to this game, the Cardinals and the Niners, it's another huge game. Like I said, the Cardinals are holding on to the seventh seed at the moment. They've got it pretty since then. I believe they need a combination of, of one. Either the Cardinals win another game or the Bears lose a game and the Cardinals are in. However, the Niners are looking to play spoiler. They recently signed Josh Rosen to their active roster. Not sure how much action he gets, if it's even possible he could play because I mean, he doesn't know the playbook. However, it is an opportunity for him to learn under Kyle Shanahan and get a look at him. You know, the, the reports are that the Niners will move on from Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, either via trade or just releasing him. And so when something like that happens, you get as many guys as you can. Josh Rosen's never really gotten a fair shake in the NFL ever since being drafted a couple of years ago. And so this could be an opportunity for him to grow and to learn. But uh, the Cardinals are in a battle with San Francisco. They're going to be in a battle with them. It's a tough game. Both teams don't have to travel because San Francisco is using the Arizona Stadium for the rest of the season for home games due to a ban by San Francisco's mayor. And because of which, they, it's going to be a very interesting game in terms of both teams are effectively not traveling and have the travel schedule of a home game. Again, I would not pick this game because it is also in Jack's pack a little later and we'll give a little bit more breakdown and the winner there. Now, next game is Dolphins and Raiders. I spoke about it earlier. Like I said, man, it's a huge game. It's an absolutely humongous game. In my opinion, it is the second biggest game of the weekend. This game cannot get any bigger. Well, it can get a little bigger, but in terms of the Raiders are spiraling. They've absolutely spiraled about as low as you can go. Uh, Marcus Mariota is projected to start for the Raiders at this current time due to the fact of Derek Carr's left growing injury. So with the Raiders spiraling and the Dolphins trying to keep the Ravens off their heels, they need to make a little gap. And so they are looking for the Ravens to lose while the Dolphins are looking to take care of Vegas and putting them out of their misery for the second or third year of the John Gruden era, not making the playoffs. Although the Raiders have good signs. I think if Derek Carr was there last game, they might win that game. And then the uh, Raiders will be in position to catch the Dolphins themselves and try to sneak into the seventh seed. Unfortunately, that did not happen. And so we're looking at the Raiders on the outside looking in for, for another year of playoff contention. And as far as the winner of that game, however, I will pick a winner for that game. I will have, I think the Dolphins are going to win. I think they're going to win by anywhere from 7 to 10 points. Um, Brian Flores got to look at that Mariota offense a little bit. So he's going to be able to dissect it and break it down. 
And also, just the, I believe the Raiders' defense is horrible. I would expect a big game out of Miles Gaskin. Uh, two with Tagovailoa. I'd expect a big game out of that Dolphins' offense. Now, looking at the Colts and the Steelers. Clarification, I would not pick this game. It's also in Jack's pack. However, it is a huge game. Now, this is the biggest game, in my opinion, of the weekend. It may be one of the biggest games of the past few weeks of the NFL season. Because the Colts are trying to catch the Titans for the division. One, the Steelers are trying to get out of a losing schneid. They've lost three in a row. They've stopped Juju Smith-Schuster from dancing on logos. They are trying to hold on to the division because they do need to win a game. Now, if they win this game this week, they've got the AFC North. They're pretty much locked into the three seed. They may rest against the Browns. However, if they don't win this week, the Browns beat the Jets, we're presuming. And now, it is a winner take off week 17. As opposed to the Colts side of things, like I said, they're trying to catch the Titans for the division lead themselves. And if they don't catch the Titans, at least move up to play a weaker opponent in the wild card round. Because right now they're sitting at the sixth seed. So their goal is to try and get a little bit higher to maybe play. Hey, you might get another crack at Tennessee in the playoffs. This time, third time around, you have two games of direct film and then another game as well. Absolutely huge game. This game could be the game that helps send Pittsburgh to the sixth seed after being 11-0. And this could be the game that the Colts maybe, you know, because it's a big game I'm going to talk about a little later. And with the Titans, maybe the Colts end up as a three seed. So, absolutely huge game out in the AFC. And a game that directly ties into that is Titans and Packers. Now, this game is big for a multitude of reasons. For the Titans' perspective, you're trying to keep the Colts off your heels while making sure you get home field advantage, keeping guys healthy, and making sure you're ready to go for the playoffs and try to figure out in these last couple of games where you can find a pass rush from. As for the Titans, or sorry, the Packers rather, you have a physical problem. When teams get physical, you tend to fold. It's, I mean, this is in your DNA. It's odd you're in the Midwest, you're in Wisconsin. We figure tough would just be, you know, natural. It doesn't work necessarily all the time that way for the Green Bay Packers. They got run off the field twice by the San Francisco 49ers. They've gotten out physical this year by the Indianapolis Colts. And now they get the Tennessee Titans with the most physical running back in the league and the biggest freak of a running back in the league in Derrick Henry, who's on a rampage and is about 160 some odd yards a game from getting 2,000 rushing yards this season. I would think that he would have a big game. This game is not in Jack's pack, so I can pick it. I would pick the Titans to win this game by four. Uh, something like along the lines of 28-24, uh, maybe 31-27. But I'll pick the Titans to win this game by four. Uh, over under Derrick Henry, a buck 85. I would go over. Uh, I think he's going to go for 200 yards, two, three touchdowns, and just flat out run the Packers off the field, especially with Ryan Tannehill's ability to stay efficient and score the ball. The Packers are going to have to respect the passing game. You can't just sit on the run. And so that being said, I'll pick the Titans to win that game by about four. But up next, we're going to shift to Jack's Pack, which is our NFL betting segment. Alrighty, guys, and we are back. 
and we had a pretty decent weekend jacks pack we went two two and one doesn't help us a whole lot trying to catch up obviously we are 11 games below 500 right now uh it's not great or i guess i'm taking some chances now trying to get back to 500 going against a few of my rules but i think by the super bowl we will get back to 500 i can assure you guys of that but we're gonna start off this week with Vikings versus Saints. We spoke about the game earlier, how big of a game it is. Uh, the Saints are getting, Saints are six and a half point favorites. I would think the Saints would win the game just by closer than six and a half. They've seen decent have a lot of history. The Vikings are a offense that is hit or miss. I don't see where the Vikings won't keep it close, especially with the performance that Drew Brees put on the field just last week. So against my better judgment here, I wouldn't put a whole lot of money on this one, but I would take the Vikings to lose just by less than six and a half points. Next, we're going to do Arizona and San Francisco. San, Arizona is minus five. I would take Arizona. I don't think this game is going to be particularly close. San Francisco doesn't really have a whole lot of offensive threat, especially with now on their third string quarterback. That being said, Arizona to have the world's greatest defense. However, I believe they are good enough to keep the San Francisco 49ers at 20 or less. And I believe Kyler Murray will, and the Arizona Cardinals will get to 27 or more. So with that being said, I will take the Arizona Cardinals minus five. Up next, we've got the Falcons and the Chiefs. Chiefs minus 10 and a half. Take the Chiefs. I don't think this is going to be particularly close. I mean, we just saw what Tom Brady did to the second half of this Falcons. On the, the in the second half against this Falcons defense, rather, and it did not go well for the Falcons. Obviously, once the Chiefs or the Bucks rather figured out where the pressure was coming from and the blitz was coming from, it was a massacre in the second half in terms of just that scoreboard alone. And so you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes because one of those speed demons get deep, and so you're gonna have to play a bunch of zone, which will give Pat time. Obviously, they still want to run the ball with Le'Veon Bell. So with that being said, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by at least two touchdowns. So take the Chiefs. Colts versus Steelers. Colts, Steelers plus one and a half. I will take the Colts minus one and a half. I think the Colts are going to win this game by at least 10 or more. I don't expect this to be particularly close. Throwing those short dump down passes against the Colts is going to lead to a pick six or two. And the Colts are really good at stopping whatever run game the Pittsburgh Steelers attempt to have. Vice versa, you let Phillip Rivers be comfortable. You let him be cool, calm, collected in the pocket. He'll pick you apart. Even at his advanced age and very, very odd throwing mechanics, he'll pick you apart. And that being said, with the Steelers unable to produce a pass rush, thanks, unfortunately, to some injuries, I would think the Colts will win this game by 10 or more, which would easily cover the spread. Take the Colts. Lastly, we've got Chargers and Broncos. Chargers minus three. Take the Chargers. Did we not just see what Josh Allen did to this Broncos defense? Hung a near 50 burger on them, scoring 48 points. And if you've got a weak defense, the last thing you want to see is Justin Herbert, who is absolutely on fire right now. He's going to break pretty much every rookie passing record there is to break. He's absolutely rolling. Three points is nowhere near enough to cover that spread. I think the Chargers are going to win this game going away. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked that Tyrod Taylor plays the last couple of series. This one's going to be over early. I would take the Chargers minus three. So just to recap, Vikings over Saints on the spread. Cardinals 
over 49ers, Chiefs over Falcons, Colts over Steelers, Chargers over Broncos. Now we're going to shift up next to our NBA segment and talk about what's going down there with the NBA returning full fledged. Alrighty guys and welcome back into the show and now we're going to shift to the NBA has returned along with the return of several of the NBA stars. But first we're going to start off with the battle for LA or just open night in general. We saw the battle for LA between the Clippers and the Lakers and we saw the return or the first game rather or both for Kevin Durant. Return for him, playing against his old team in Golden State, which coupled in the return of Steph Curry from injury as well. It looked like the first game of a shortened offseason. Just being completely and totally honest with you, uh, it looked like both teams, or two, a team in each game was trying to figure out their life. So for the Lakers in the battle for LA, you can clearly see that that was a plan going in. Uh, especially once LeBron turned his ankle, it became immediately, okay, save him. We got 72 games and we only played, stopped playing 72 days ago. So clearly there was a plan going into that game. You can tell the Lakers, it's the easiest bet in professional sports or one of the easiest bets in professional sports. Whoever is getting the championship ring, bet against them every time on opening night because you just spent all day going, man, I'm finally getting my championship ring. I'm finally getting my ring. And then, then you have the big long introduction. You have days and minutes above, possibly an hour of a presentation. You get these big, beautiful, shiny rings. You open these fancy workout things that says champion on the back. You are just a banner usually goes up in the air. All kind of things happen. It's amazing. And then some team has been in our locker room this entire time, especially this time it being the Clippers that wanted that what you have that wanted to do that exact same thing in the exact same building and wanted to go through you to get it and came up short in the way they did, have to hear that and see that and know what's happening, they're gonna beat you. Nine times out of 10, they're gonna beat you. It's it's, it's the easiest bet in sports. And so the Clippers won the game, but the Lakers shot horribly and and that's not a good sign if I'm the Clippers. I feel less confident in the Clippers this morning than I did before opening night. Because the Lakers shot absolutely terribly. LeBron and Anthony Davis combined for 40 points. Your two stars combined for 60-some-odd points. And the Lakers lost by seven. At one point being down 20, basically in the first quarter. And tied it up several times coming down the stretch. And only lost by like seven. And if LeBron doesn't turn an ankle and is on a regular minutes restriction, when the game gets tied again with about eight minutes left, he probably comes back in that game and we have a whole new ball game. So I would feel less confident in the Clippers this morning. As for the first game of the day, first game of the season, Brooklyn and Golden State, welcome back freaking Kevin Durant. I mean, it wasn't like you went anywhere, or at least it didn't appear to. It looked like Kevin Durant walked off the court for Golden State in the finals and walked on the court for Brooklyn. It wasn't like he disappeared for 18 months with an Achilles injury. Uh, We said that, or I said that rather, he would be uh, pretty much fine because his game is not predicated on raw athleticism where he's a 40-inch vertical leaper or he has to be the fastest person on the court. He's got demon speed like Russell Westbrook. He's just a smooth operator. And because of which, tall body, skinny frame, not predicated on mounts or athleticism, 
and he's a good shooter, or a great shooter rather, he should be just fine as long as he gets his rhythm together. And that was clearly shown in their first game against the Warriors. His rhythm was there. He was flowing with the offense. The offense was flowing in general. That Brooklyn team was about 10, 11 people deep. And they were flowing. The basketball was moving. Kyrie was doing his thing, leading all the scores at 25. KD was doing his thing with 22. It was beautiful to watch. It was great to see Kevin Durant back on the court. He looked like he never left. Like I said, it looked like he walked off the court at Golden State with Toronto and walked on the court at Brooklyn against Golden State. Now, flip side, Golden State, uh, it's going to be a long road for you guys. I don't see playoffs in your future. Just being perfectly honest with you, it looks like Steph's going to be picking the lottery again because I don't see you guys winning 35 games. Being generous, I was going to say 30 games, but I was like, hey, you never know with injuries and rest, they might win 35. I don't see you guys winning 35 games. Uh, to be honest, I don't see you guys winning 30 games, but I'll officially go on record with 35. I don't see how you get there. Now, again, it was against Brooklyn. And again, you were without Draymond. And again, it was the first game of the year. I get all of that. I don't see how you get to 35 wins in this short and condensed season. Steph Curry will be watching the playoffs again as well this season. It ain't great. Just being perfectly honest, it ain't great. Um, So, Golden State, you got a lot to worry about there. Brooklyn. You should be in the finals this year, being perfectly honest with you. And you should play one of those teams that play right after you in L.A. Uh, speaking of a team that won't, will not be in the finals, uh, along with Golden State, is the Houston Rockets, as they are the first team, yay, to have a COVID cancellation. Uh, they have a bubbling superstar on their hands, a furious, upset superstar in their hands, James Harden, who's now getting into team altercations. He's getting into incidents at practice he threw a ball at a rookie which you throw a ball at me hey life you're gonna have to see what's up now he's going to parties maskless clearly violating the code it reportedly was at a strip club then he came on and said no it was at a private event where they had strippers so in denying the fact that you party at a strip club you agree to the fact that you party not at a strip club with strippers it was a very interesting scenario and a very interesting explanation. But James Harden was fined $50,000 by the NBA for violating the health and safety protocols, especially he did it intentionally, especially because he's doing it just to spite the Houston Rockets, especially because he's basically thumbing his nose at the entire NBA, trying to get him to where he wants to go, which at this present time is Brooklyn. And so he was fined $50,000 for that. However, the Rockets had a baby COVID outbreak already. Uh, reportedly, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins went to a apartment along with a few other players to get haircuts. So when this happened, of course, the NBA is going, what the bleep? So they are, have three or four positive or inconclusive tests, and they have four more players to the contract tracing, contact tracing in quarantine and so the Rockets could not fill the NBA minimum of eight players for a game. And therefore, the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder last night was postponed. Now, when it comes to basketball, there's a little bit more flexibility in postponements. I feel the way about uh, college basketball as well. Because there's no set scheduled date. Even better now, there's hardly there's only six or seven arenas in the league allowing fans. 
you can just move a game whenever you want to move it. I mean, pretty much schedule wise, if you see, okay, both of us have three days off in this stretch, let's just play in the middle of those three days. We just shove it back in the schedule. I feel the way about college basketball as well. Just stick it back in the schedule. So definitely I will be keeping an eye on the Harden situation and see how the NBA is going to handle schedule readjustments because the NFL did it well. And so I am hoping that the NBA will do it as well. Now, just touching on a couple of things that happened just last night. Uh, The Pelicans look good with their young trio, Lonzo Ball, shooting the ball with confidence. He's knocked down four of eight threes. Brandon Ingram took over late, and the Pelicans beat a very game Toronto team despite 26 turnovers and missing a lot of free throws. So the Pelicans definitely have to get that cleaned up on both aspects in order to compete for a playoff spot and possibly make a little noise in the playoffs. The Atlanta Hawks showed up and showed out on their debut, especially Trey Young, who scored 37 points on 12 shots, including nailing six or seven threes. And he did all this in 26 minutes as he was watching the entire fourth quarter because the Hawks were up basically 40 points in the third quarter. So what a season opener by the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Bucks and the Celtics are throwing their hat in the ring for game of the year on, a, on opening night for each team. They were going back and forth. At one point, Boston was up 17 points in the fourth quarter, only for Giannis to have a ridiculous fourth quarter, scoring 18 points, charging the Bucks all the way back against the Celtics, only for Jason Tatum to hit a step back, banked in three over Giannis to go up by two. And then for Giannis to get fouled on a tip-in with 0.4 seconds left, make the first free throw, alligator arm break the second free throw, and the Celtics escape by the skin of their teeth against the Milwaukee Bucks early in this season. So it's a huge game in the East already. Obviously with 72 games, it's 10 less. Games are going to matter a little bit more to standings. Tiebreakers are going to matter just a little bit more. Uh, the rookie, some of the rookie debuts that happened. Uh, LaMelo Ball went scoreless in his debut. Anthony Edwards scored 15. We had a few other rookies debut as well. And as for the second game of the night last night, the Mavericks and the Suns, another game that went back and forth. The Mavericks are without uh, Chris Dasporzingis till I would guess middle of January. And so with that, a lot more is on Luka's shoulder to shoulder the load offensively. And he struggled last night. Uh, it's definitely showed. I mean, he ended up having a pretty good stat line game if you don't look at his field goal attempts. But he played a pretty good game. But Devin Booker and Chris Paul were just too much and ultimately won the game for the Suns. Now we're going to shift to Christmas Day. We have a loaded Christmas Day schedule. Basketball starts at 11 a.m. Central Time and goes back to back to back to back to back to back. So at the 11 a.m. slot, it is Pelicans at Heat. I would pick the Pelicans to win that game by four. I liked what I saw from them uh, against the Toronto Raptors. I wondered if they stayed home. Probably not. They probably did not stay in Florida. They probably went home due to the fact that, you know, it's Christmas Eve today. It's Christmas Day tomorrow. So they probably went home. Uh, probably did a back-to-back flight. Golden State will play as well. And they will play... Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, this would be a get-right game for the Bucks. I expect them to win this game by 20 or 25 points. 
The Warriors just don't have nearly enough to contend with the Bucks right now, especially probably an angry Giannis after missing that free throw against the Celtics. He's going to be fuming and ready to go for the Bucks. But immediately following that game, you will have Brooklyn at Boston. That is going to be a huge early game, even bigger than Milwaukee and Boston, because now Boston will get a chance to play against Milwaukee their first game, and they will get Brooklyn their second game, which is presumably two of their three strongest challengers for the East, along with the Philadelphia 76ers. So with that game being there, I would have Brooklyn by about three. It'll come down to the last minute. Uh, again, you got another storyline. You've got Kyrie playing his old team, Boston, in the Garden. So that'll be an interesting sight to watch there. Again, I'll have Brooklyn by about three. Immediately following them, you have two of the faces of the NBA squaring off. You've got LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. It's not necessarily a fair fight. All right, like I said earlier, Luka is down, Chris Porzingis. Otherwise, you'd have a ball handling wing and a power forward with a ball handling wing and a power forward. That'd be pretty interesting. But the Lakers are still trying to figure their life out. But Dallas is going to struggle to put points on the board, in my opinion. So I would have Lakers by about 10 there, especially after how they lost to the Clippers. And speaking of those Clippers, they close out the night against the Denver Nuggets. Now, the Denver Nuggets suffered a heartbreaking defeat at the hands of the Sacramento Kings on a Buddy Hill tip-in after blocking a Harrison Barnes dunk on a fast break. Buddy Hill comes right behind him, tips it in, and the Kings run out of the arena after the victory. So with that being said, I do not think the Denver Nuggets will win this game. However, I would pick the Clippers by about six, although it wouldn't shock me if Denver did win. The Clippers get way up for the Lakers, and then right after they play the Lakers, they usually come down for a few games and have to revamp themselves up. But I would pick the Clippers by about six in this game. Now, up next, we will shift to college football. So I'll talk about the playoff and just a little bit of news and what's going down there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back in to our Just In Time Sports podcast. Uh, One of the last two we'll do this year and this season. But now we're going to shift to college football and talk about a little bit what's going down there. So first, obviously, the big news, the college football playoff is set. We will have Alabama versus Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl. However, it will be played in Arlington, Texas, in order to allow fans and some uh, personnel to travel a little bit better than the California restrictions. And so Alabama will play Notre Dame at the quote-unquote Rose Bowl this season. And Clemson will face Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, which will still be played in New Orleans. So I disagree with the committee decision here. I vehemently disagree with the committee's decision here. How in the world is Notre Dame in this playoff? Okay, okay, I get it. I get it. They only have one loss. I get that. But but Justin, they only lost one game. I understand. I get it. But Justin, they're Notre Dame. I, I, I get it. I, I don't like it. I don't like them being in the playoff this year. Why? Let's think about it. Let's think about why. They have, in my opinion, one signature win on the season. Beating Clemson. You beat him with DJ Ugalagale at quarterback because Trevor Lawrence had COVID, along with a couple other guys that are messing the game. 
congrats. You, you beat them. Whoop they do. You beat them by three. They got Trevor Lawrence and their guys back, and on a neutral field, effectively ran you off the field by 30. Why are you in this playoffs? But, but, but Justin, who else did you put in? Texas they didn't even make their conference championship game. Yeah, because they lost about 20-some-odd points to Alabama. It happens. But AM's resume, outside of that game, is better than Notre Dame's resume. I promise. Texas A&M should be in this playoff, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't know if this is a reward from the committee for even going to a conference this year and Notre Dame playing. I don't know if this is, oh, it's just one loss in a conference championship game, or are they following the money? I'm not sure. But Notre Dame should not be in this playoff. I vehemently disagree with that decision, and I would pick Bama in this game by 30. It ain't going to be close. They're going to run these boys off the field in the first half. I expect Devonta Smith to be watching this game by about middle of the third quarter. I expect Mac Jones to be watching by about midway of the third quarter as well. Uh, Najee Harris to be off the field taking his cleats off by about the fourth quarter. This game's going to be over quick. Now, as opposed to the second game, uh, Clemson and Ohio State, this game's got all the intrigue in the freaking world. I mean, this doesn't get much better. I just, we go from a massacre to this. This is going to be amazing. I mean, for instance, you got Dabo Sweeney, who already put his publicly came out and dissed Ohio State a couple of times. Then his final coaches poll at Ohio State below Coastal Carolina. I mean, you can't get much more disrespectful than that, especially knowing it was going to come out. Then you've got, obviously, the two top quarterbacks in the same uh, high school recruiting class, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Presumably, they're the number one and number two picks in the NFL draft in about uh, six, seven months. Or four months, rather. April, my bad. You've got all kind of back and forth intrigue. You've got Ryan Day. You've got Dabo Sweeney. You've got the tradition of these guys going at each other back and forth. You have them with the rematch of just last season where if the receiver goes a different direction, Ohio State gets the right to lose to that LSU team instead of Clemson going to New Orleans and getting baptized. This game's got all the intrigue on the planet Earth. I personally cannot wait for this game. This game is going to give, it's got NFL implications because what if Justin Fields comes out and stinks it up? Does that, does that number 12 raw pick become less valuable for the Jets? Do the Jets consider, oh man, we can't do all that. We got man, we got Sam Donald, might as well just trade the pick. What if Justin Fields comes out and massively outplays Trevor Lawrence? You've seen Lawrence have, not stinkers, but not great games. What if Fields is on? What if he has one of his 27 to 30, 365, four total touchdown games? We've seen him do that a couple of times. What if he's on and popping that game? What if Justin Fields just outplays Trevor Lawrence? You know, Lawrence is a little off, you know, 24-40, 265, two touchdowns. And Fields goes 27-30, like I said, 300-some-odd yards, four total touchdowns, including one on the ground, and Ohio State wins the game, and they go play Alabama. And what do you do if you're the Jets? You go, man, do we really, really want to just give that away to somebody else? Or do you say, man, not even throw, not even can ask for an extra for second round pick because we know that Justin Fields is gonna be something, and we like Sam Donner. We're gonna ask for another second round pick for us to come off this spot. So that Ohio State Clemson game has got all the intrigue in the world. I can't wait for that one. That one's gonna be spectacular. I expect that I'll be flipping channels for the Bama Notre Dame game by about uh, four minutes and third. Uh, I don't expect that to be close at all. But going to a little bit of news, a little bit of coaching news, uh, reshuffling's already starting to happen. 
uh, LSU coming off a 500 season after coming off the greatest season ever uh, has fired or reassigned most of the staff or so it feels uh, defensive coordinator Bo Pelini will be fired he hasn't been fired yet but he will be safeties the, the defensive line coach has retired and moved to analyst role along with Steve Ensminger the offensive coordinator has done the same uh, so Scott Linehan, the passing game coordinator, has party waves with the team and is probably going back to the NFL. And so you have a little bit of a massive reshuffling on both sides of the ball for LSU. Brett Bielema, who is the linebackers coach for the New York Giants, has accepted the Illinois head coaching job. He likes the area. He was there at one point in Wisconsin. He was in the SEC at one point in Arkansas. And now he is back in college football, I think, where he belongs with the fighting Illini and then the Patriots lose a quarterback coach lose that quarterback coach to the Arizona Wildcats to be their head coach at this present time and the Baylor Bears fired their offensive coordinator following a two and seven season with one of the worst offenses in collegiate football but that is all we have for that segment now we're going to shift to our best for last which is Always a very interesting part of the NFL offseason, which is already starting, the NFL Coach Carousel. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to have our best for last, which will be a little discussion on the NFL coaching carousel and just some guys I expect to get jobs, to get looks, and to definitely be on people's radars. Now, the NFL has allowed uh, coaching interviews to already start to happen. So people are allowed to interview people on other teams. Now, the teams can deny the request. So, for instance, if the Chargers were to fire Anthony Land or the Texans, they already have their opening were to request an interview for Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs. The Chiefs can say, hell no. He's in the middle of a playoff run. Like, no, deal with that after the season. Like, we're not, we're not doing that now. Uh, because of virtual, a lot of the teams have started to do their interviews because you're not flying people in and out. You're not flying coaches in and out. And honestly, coaches are being a little more lenient. Or I would expect coaches to be a little more lenient in terms of letting their assistants interview because you don't have to leave Kansas City for a day or two days to get wined and dined and interviewed by an owner or a GM. You can just pull up your computer, boom. Two hour interview, close your computer down, boom. Do it on off day if you got to. But uh, I would expect the coaching carousel to be pretty active this season. Already we have jobs like the Texans are open, the Lions are open, we have a few other jobs I expect to be open. For instance, I expect the Chargers to fire Anthony Lynn. I expect the Jaguars to get rid of Doug Marone. I expect the Jets to get rid of Adam Gase. Um, and with that being said, we're going to have a few good jobs available. And with good jobs available, good candidates come to those jobs. So the first good candidate I would think of would be Eric Enemy. He's the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Now, he does not get all the credit I believe he deserves because when you're coaching offense on Andy Reid's staff, similar to coaching defense on the Bill Belichick staff, it's Andy Reid's offense, it's Belichick's defense. The offensive coordinator does not matter. The defensive coordinator, Belichick didn't even have one. He kind of had a top defensive assistant, which is Brian Flores for a while, who was calling the plays on defense, actually, similar to Steve Belichick calling them now. 
But when you're on a Kansas City Chiefs, or Andy Reid offense, you're the offensive coordinator, but it's Andy Reid's show in, in the eyes of fans and most of the media. However, the enemy has been seen calling plays. The enemy is very involved in the offensive game plan. I mean, he coordinates the offense. Um, so he definitely has his eyes on that. The enemy is a strong candidate. Brian Dable, offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. He would get a lot of attention because of his work with Josh Allen. Look, Josh Allen, like I said earlier, was a very inaccurate passer, completing about 55, 58% of his passes early in his career. Through work with Brian Dable, amongst with other people, his accuracy has jumped up tremendously, and now the Bills have a top offense and a top team, and is a force to be reckoned with in the AFC and the entire NFL in general. Joe Brady of LSU passing game coordinator fame is another name that has been flying around the coaching carousel in terms of a guy who will get a strong look. Look, Joe Brady hasn't had the best of years coordinating offense for the Panthers. However, he is without Christian McCaffrey. And that is a huge, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the second or third back in football. Stuck at their best back in football. So not having him strongly limits an offense because Joe Brady is using a Sean Payton style offense. Look at what Sean Payton and the Saints are doing with Alvin Kamara. It's similar to what Joe Brady wants to do with Christian McCaffrey. And so with that being said, I expect Joe Brady to get a couple of looks, although I don't think he will get a job this hiring cycle. Marvin Lewis. Good old Marvin Lewis is back. He interviewed for a couple of jobs already. I expect that to continue. He is a coach with a lot of good history. He had a lot of success in Cincinnati. Did not win a playoff game, which is the knock against him, but he had a lot of success in Cincinnati. And a lot of people credit him with turning around the culture in Cincinnati because when he showed up, they were, and they still are, but one of the cheapest organizations in the league. It felt like they were playing 20 years ago. They just had all kind of terrible habits and terrible practices going on. And Marvin Lewis helped clean up the organization. Uh, ultimately, did not get to the goal he wanted to, but he definitely helped change the organization around for the better permanently. So those are just a few guys I expect to get looks, which is those four. We got GM openings, like guys like Lewis Riddick uh, are starting to make the rounds in terms of GM interviews. And so this will be a very interesting hiring cycle. But that is all we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you guys for joining me this week, uh, making me a part of your Christmas holiday season. I hope all of you guys have a Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Happy holidays in general. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.